Welcome to Hebrews at Conversation Cafe with Ricky Allen. This podcast is a unique brew of real people with real talk about real life experiences. So if you're driving, keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. If you're somewhere sitting, sit back, relax, and be still. Let's get the conversation started. Hey, I'm Ricky Allen. Uh, Thanks again for stopping by Hebrews at Conversation Cafe. In a previous episode, we talked about relationships not dying natural deaths. So today, I want to talk about relationships not growing naturally. Like houses, they must be built. I'm happy to have with me Iris M. Williams, author, publisher of Butterfly Typeface Publishing. Iris, how are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you for asking. How about yourself? I'm great. How have things been for you in this pandemic? I I know being um, housebound for the most part, uh, I know I kind of have cabin fever and Noah's Ark, you know? (laughs) Yeah, about to go stir crazy. And you think I've had a lot of time to write and do some new things. How are things with you? Things have been challenging uh, and they've also been constructive. I've had a lot of downtime and so I've gone through I think I've gone through the gamut of emotions Um, and when I recognize that I may be going through a dark place um, my writing my my publishing and and my relationship with the Lord has all played a a, a valuable part in bringing me back to a a more productive sense so um, I choose to acknowledge the challenges of COVID but also to uh, take this time and, and, and try to um, see it in a light of this is a time where you can do all those things that you always uh, felt you didn't have the time to do. Yeah, if anything this has done for me, it has again highlighted how important relationships are. The fact that all relationships matter and even though we're having to interact differently, um, it just kind of brings to the forefront how important the uh, development of relationships are. And so today mm-hmm. I want to talk about there that, you know, there are three unique phases of relationship development. And oftentimes we just show up and we say we're in a relationship and we expect for them to grow naturally, but they don't grow naturally. Like houses, they must be built. Uh, I want to deal with the three phases. The first phase is forming. The second phase is storming and then the third phase is performing when we talk about forming we're talking about connections how uh, we are joined together how we fasten together how we unite or bind when i look at the forming phase of a relationship i think of comradeship i think of companionship i think of communication comradeship being together in the same chamber or room, companionship taking or breaking bread together, communication possessing together. And each of these words began with the word com, which is Latin for together. Well, first, let me say I'm excited at this week's topic because you know I I think I'm pretty clear on how to ruin a relationship. Well. But uh, when it comes to, you know, how to build one successfully, 
uh, yeah, I could use quite a bit of, of help with that because sometimes knowing what to do is just as important as uh, knowing what not to do. And so when you talk about forming and connecting, that's interesting to me because we hear a lot about two people coming together and becoming one. How to do that successfully without losing yourself seems to be a paradox. So I'm excited to, to you know to hear your thoughts on that. My experience has been that we have someone else telling us why we should be in certain relationships and what those relationships should look like and what role we should play. So in the forming process, Mm -hmm. if we can understand that joining, that fastening, that binding gives birth to us. Hmm. That piques my interest because you mentioned that the purpose of the relationship needs to be defined. And I think that's huge because I don't know that I've ever asked anyone romantic or otherwise, their purpose for being in a relationship with me. You know, of course, if you're on the corporate, on your job, you kind of know what that relationship is, I guess. But I feel like it still probably needs to be defined because perhaps you're asking of me something that I don't have or something that I don't want to give. And so if you just move forward without checking in and seeing, you know, are we on the same page? Do we want the same things? It's kind of like two people getting together and, and one of them wants children and the other one doesn't, but they don't speak about that until they're already in the relationship. That can be a huge problem. I can see how if you don't get the forming stage right, you're probably going to have challenges going forward. <laughs> well, it, it certainly heightens the storm, which is the mm-hmm. next phase mm-hmm. I want to talk about. No two independent forces can truly come together without experiencing the storming phase. It's like two independently large bodies of water coming together to form an even larger body. Each body has its own unique composition. Each possess its own power. But the process of tranquility can be rough. In this phase, it's the challenge of balancing uh, expectations with behaviors. So we can engage or not engage. And we can be proactive or we can be reactive. I found these dynamics interesting as I observed people going through this phase of relationship development. So let's talk about proactive engagement. Okay. When we're in relationships, we expect people to engage. Is that right? Mm -hmm. We expect them to show up and to be vested but the person that I'm interacting with may not know what engagement is, according to me. Mm. Two can't walk together unless they agree. Not that they agree about everything, but that they Mm -hmm. agree about what's important. And so in the storming phase, we find that we can engage proactively. And that is when you know what's required. And without prompt or pretense, you do what's required because it's the right thing to do. There's no game playing. There's no manipulation. There's no control. There's no competition. But because I want to build a meaningful and purposeful relationship, and I understand what goes into it, you know, a house needs a foundation. A house needs walls. A house needs a roof. A house needs facilities. It needs it needs to function. A house needs electricity. You know, a house mm-hmm. needs running water. A house needs um, climate control. Those are some things that houses need, right? Right. Just because they need them, all houses may not have them. Mm. So proactive engagement is 
a head-to-head, heart-to-heart exchange? So it sounds to me like um, you really have to show up and be present when you're trying to build or resuscitate um, in the case of a dead relationship. You have to be present and intentional about being proactively engaged. If I'm carrying these expectations, but I'm not communicating them to you, then the behavior probably will never match up. It'll be a hit and miss type thing. Yeah. You know, we we have to get away from this. Well, you know how I feel. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know how you feel. <laughs> I know how you're acting. Many times when we are in a place of conflict or in a places of uncertainty, we can't always articulate how we feel. That's why it's important for us to draw from the fact that, first of all, we're comrades. You know, we're companions. So that takes some of the hostility away from the exchange. It makes communication better. And if we're truly comrades and we're truly companions, then we understand that the objective of communication is not to be right, not to get it my way, but the objective of communication is to get an understanding. Mm -hmm. And so when I get an understanding, it's easier for me then to proactively engage. In other words, I know what it is you like, want, or need, and you don't have to ask me for that. I do that because of what I want to bring to this relationship. Proactive engagement, again, provides that head-to-head, heart-to-heart exchange. And then in this storming phase, there can be a reactive engagement. This is when you know what's required, but you're waiting to see how the other person behaves before you commit to doing what's right. That is... um profound to me. Uh, And I've recently experienced um, this in in the corporate world. I think sometimes when you've taken the time to learn and know a person, then even when you begin to feel something that doesn't match up with what you know about that person, you can choose to react on what you know versus on what you feel. Because a lot of times, especially in the corporate world, we aren't privy to what's going on with the person personally. And so they can bring their personal life into the office and right or wrong, they take it out on you, and but you're left to react to that. And so you can choose, hey, I'm not going to react to that because I know this person and I know that how they're behaving isn't who they are. When you know the person, then what I would submit when we are reactive in engagement when we um, withhold doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. a form of neglect. Mm -hmm. And another thing about this storming phase that I observe is then a reactive disengagement. And this is when you know what's required, but you refuse to communicate or to collaborate because someone has offended you or have hurt your feelings. Wow. This is important to me because I know the type of person that I want to be, and I do not ever want to be a person who neglects or abuses. And so holding on to who I am in the storming phase becomes really important to me because it's not based on what you do. It's based on who I am and what I know about you. Another thing in the storming process is that proactive disengagement. Proactive disengagement is when you know what is required, but purposefully behave in ways intended to manipulate and to control people, situations, or events. 
Mm-hmm. You know, since I've been talking to you uh, these last three years, your book, Can These Bones Live, comes up quite frequently. Um, I noticed that I hear conversations from from people and I hear the abuse and the neglect and the abandonment. And it, it's very um, troubling to me. A lot of times people are doing these things and they don't know that they're participating in the destruction of the relationship because they're saying, well, that person did that to me. So I'm perfectly justified in how I respond to that. Yeah, we have to put ourselves in check. It's easier for me to act inappropriately and blame that on someone else than it is for me to take responsibility for my development and understand that my relationship is not well just because I think I'm good, just because I exist. A house looks good with the roof on, the walls on, and the foundation, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But who wants to live in a house with a hole in the roof? Mm. Or who wants to live in a house that has an air conditioner, but the air conditioner is not functioning? Or it has laboratories, but the water is not running. And so ultimately, in this storming process, we want to get to that level of performing where we've reached unity and agreement. The purpose of unity and agreement is not for you to see things my way or necessarily for me to see things your way, but for us to see things our way. Together, we've determined a way that's best for us. Building is a process. It requires inputs, equipment and tools, knowledge and skills, and it requires empowerment. The Proverbs of Solomon says in the 24th chapter, verses 3 and 6, that through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. I say to you that in this case, the house is relationship. Through wisdom, a relationship is built. Hmm. Um, I'm really fascinated by this. And, you know, earlier you talked about COVID-19 and its impact on me. I can see how um, COVID-19 has really highlighted the deficit in the relationships that I have, uh, whether they are corporate or personal. you you really get to see the work that's needed. And I'm I'm getting that from other people too. You know, I get the conversations of this is going on, that's going on. And I never knew this about that until, you know, now that I have spent so much time with this person or this person has so much time on their hands. And so having uh, a guide to uh, help you to see not only um, the other person, but to see yourself, that's huge. And I like how, you know, what you're telling uh, us is Bible, is scripture. It's not something that you've just made up. It's something that we can refer to, you know, what is known, I should say. You know, every house has a blueprint. Mm. And, you know, I've given much thought about uh, my life and, and how I live out my life, knowing that Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I'm not just saying it from a religion perspective. I'm saying it from a relationship perspective. Uh, I want to be pleasing in his sight. We try to build our relationships because we see what someone else has. We listen to what someone else is saying, and we try to replicate that. The blueprint for my life is the word of God in all that I am, all that I want to be, all that I try to do. And so that same word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask it of God, 
I have learned firsthand there is so much I don't know, but because God's wisdom is infinite, he knows all about the relationships I'm in, have been in, or will be in. Mm -hmm. And his blueprint offers relevant, applicable uh, details for us to apply. The input I use is the word of God. It was the thing that found me when I, I was in search for my manhood. The thing that found me when I was in search for what being a husband, what being a friend should be, it was the thing that I looked to because I had no one to guide me. And then if I followed the examples from much of what I saw in my hood, <laughs> then uh, it wouldn't be good. Yeah. So through wisdom, the house is built. I don't spend a lot of time asking other people what they think or how they think I ought to be. I spend that time before the throne of grace. When I've done my best, I realize that mercy and grace does the rest. I have to rely on that. Through wisdom, the house is built, and by understanding, it is established. When we can align our um, expectations and behaviors, and we understand what it takes for this house, this relationship to be well-built, number one, well-maintained, number two, and then enjoyed, number three. And so by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Mm. Think about it. You got a house. Everything else is functioning. How much would you enjoy a house with no furniture, right? Right. So through wisdom, the relationship is built. So if you don't have wisdom, and I won't even say if you don't, because we don't have the wisdom we need to navigate our lives from day to day. We have to acknowledge him in all of our ways and allow him to direct us in everything. If we're looking for fulfillment and function, if we want to struggle and figure it out on our own and find our own way, uh, we have the freedom to do that. But if we're wanting to put the right things into the relationship that will render a well-built relationship, then we got to go by the blueprint. Relationships, again, are like houses. They don't grow naturally. They must be built. Proactively engage. Build with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And in doing so, your relationship will be filled with rich treasures. Ordinary will become legendary. It can happen to you. Thank you for joining this episode of He Brews It, a Relate LLC production. To learn more, check out our website, RelateLLC.com and follow us on social. Until the next time, remember, there is no better time than now for greater discovery. It's time to live life. It's time to live legendary.